Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. Current events, local, world news, and trending. I am your host, Doug Kamon in Ontario, Canada. Yesterday, it marked the first truth and reconciliation statutory holiday here in Canada. And what was the residential school system about? Thank you for joining me this evening. gentlemen and thank you for joining me now yesterday for the first time in Canadian history uh, when it comes to um, a statutory holiday meaning this one the truth and reconciliation and what is the truth and reconciliation well it had to do with the residential school system back in the mid 1800s. Now, the term residential school, it refers to the extensive school system set up by the the Canadian government and administered by churches that had the nominal objective of educating indigenous children, but also had the more damaging and equally explicit objectives of introduction into the Euro-Canadian and Christian ways of living and assimilating them into mainstream white Canadian society. The residential school system officially operated from the 1880s into the closing decade of the 20th century. It was around 1995-1996 when the last residential school closed in Canada. So marking this day yesterday, September the 30th of the Truth and Reconciliation, the federal government has made it a statutory holiday. And I was thinking about it, you know, the other day, is that what took so long? Prime ministers over the decades have apologized to the indigenous people for their part in the residential school system. was the only Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, back in June, made this day possible. But what does it mean for that day? For the reconciliation You know, apologies again from the government, apologies from the the Christian churches, the Catholic diocese, Presbyterian United Churches, all played a role in these residential schools. And now well over a hundred years, the federal government has made made it a statutory holiday. See, the system forcibly 
separated children from their families for an extended period of time and forbade them to acknowledge their indigenous heritage and culture or to speak their own languages. Indigenous children were severely punished if these, among other strict rules, were broken. Former students of residential schools have spoken of horrendous abuse at the hands of the residential school staff, physical, sexual, emotional, psychological. Residential school provided indigenous students with inappropriate education and often only up to lower grades that were focused mainly on prayer and manual labor in agriculture, light industry, such as woodworking and domestic work, such as laundry, laundry work and sewing. See, Sir A. Macdonald, the first prime minister of Canada, his idea was to assimilate them into the white culture. To only speak English, to dress like the whites, and give them an education, but where is this education? Residential schools systematically undermined Indigenous First Nations, Metis, and the Inuit cultures across Canada and disrupted families for generations, severing their ties through which Indigenous culture is taught and sustained and contributing to a general loss of language and culture because they were removed from their families. They weren't asked to go. Even the Royal Canadian Mounted Police played a role in forcefully removing the children from their families. Many students grew up without experience or nurturing family life without the knowledge and skills to raise their own families. The devastating effects of the residential schools are far-reaching and continue to have a significant impact on Indigenous communities to this day. The residential school system is widely considered a form of genocide because of the purposeful attempt from the government and church to eradicate all aspects of indigenous cultures and life worlds. Now, what led to the residential schools? Well, the early origin of residential schools in Canada are found in the implementation of the mission system in the 1600s. The churches and the European settlers brought with them the assumption that their own civilization was the pinnacle of human achievement. And appreciated the social culture differences between themselves and indigenous people as proof that Canada's first inhabitants were ignorant, savage, and like children in need of guidance. So to them, the European settlers found the indigenous people ignorant and savage. The Canadian Prime Minister John A. Macdonald commissioned journalists and politicians 
Nicholas Flint. Davin to study industrial schools for indigenous children in the United States. Davin's recommendation to follow the U.S. example of a, of aggress of aggressive civil civilization led to the public funding for the residential school system. If anything, it is to be done with the Indian. We must catch him very young. The children must be kept constantly within the circle of civilized conditions. Davin wrote in 1879 report on industrial schools for Indians and half-breeds. Davin's report is what it said. Now, Sir A. MacDonald is he the architect behind the residential schools here in Canada? I mean, he commissioned them and to study them with the indigenous people in the United States. In the 1880s, in conjunction with other federal assimilation policies, the government began to establish residential schools across Canada. Authorities would frequently take children to schools far from their home communities, part of a strategy to annihilate them from their families and familiar surroundings. In 1920, under the Indian Act, it became mandatory for every indigenous child to attend a residential school. For them to attend in other educational institutions. So even if they didn't go, they were taken. Now, Sir A. McDonald's part, you know, can, can, he, can we say that he was the architect of the residential schools? My opinion, I would say yes, that he is. Now, many have debated the merits of name changing in the era of the so-called reconciliation. Less attention has been paid, however, to the signaling out of Langavin as the primary player in the creation of the residential schools. In fact, while Langavin was certainly a prominent of the system, he was not the architect. That distinction belongs to a figure that many Canadians hold in a much higher regard as John A. Macdonald. Indeed, Macdonald, as Canada's founding prime minister, played the instrumental role of initiating, supporting, and defending the residential school system. And in the late 19th century, it was MacDonald, not Langevin, who served as the Superintendent General of Indian Affairs and was responsible for overseeing the establishments of residential schools. It seems though, that Lavigan, as a lesser known figure, is taking the fall. Now, you see in, see Langevin, as the Minister of Public Works, in Sir A. McDonald's cabinet 
played in an important role in advocating for residential schools. In 1883, Langevin spoke in favor of the schools. The fact, as if you wish to educate these children, you must separate them from their parents during the time that they are being educated. If you leave them in the family, they may know how to read and write, but they still remain savages. Whereas by separating them in the way proposed, they acquire the habits and tastes. It is to be hoped in only the good taste of civilized people. This is what he what Langevin said in 1883. Calling them savages. See, they weren't referred to indigenous people. They were referred to as Indians. Now, <clears throat> In May of 1883, two weeks before Langevin's delivered his infamous speech, Sir A. MacDonald laid out the aim of the schools in the House of Commons. Commons. He argued, when the school is on the reserve, the child lives with its parents, who are savages. He is surrounded by savages. And though he may learn to read and write his habits and training and mode of thought are Indian, he is simply a savage who can read and write. Those are the exact words from Sir John A. Macdonald, the first prime minister of Canada. I don't know, would you call that racism? Back then, that wouldn't be, they wouldn't even think of it being that. Trying to change somebody who is different in culture and language and skin color, change them into the way of the white man. and using the words savage. That would never even cross their minds of it being racist. Now, McDonald backed up his talk by defending the expansion of the residential school system to all parts of the country. And despite many problems with the first schools, including a high number of students' deaths, truancy, and inadequate housing and poor educational conditions. And while Langevin and other government officials, civil servants, church officials, and staff and Canadians generally deserve to share of the blame for the genocidal system of the in Indian residential schools and its ongoing intergenerational effects. McDonald must be understood as its architect. This is likely to be uncomfortable and unsettling truth but it is the one that Canadians must confront and convert to common knowledge in the current era of truth and reconciliation. 
So my belief and my opinion is that Sir A. McDonald is the architect of these residential schools. The Truth and Reconciliation Day of September the 30th is first of its kind. Anybody who works in, in, in anything that is a federal regulated had the day off yesterday. Here in the province of Ontario, our, pre, our premier had decided that he would not make it a provincial stat holiday. But making a contribution of over $10 million to, to help find other un, unmarked graves of these indigenous children. See, in one place, it was out in Alberta, they found over 200 indigenous children on the land where a residential school once stood. See, if these children died, nobody knew, their families didn't know. Children ran away, and when they were caught, they were punished. Others they couldn't find. It didn't matter whether it was winter. These children wouldn't make it home because they were taken so far away. Some by boat, others by plane. To be sure that they wouldn't be able to get back to their families. Now, none of this was ever taught in our history classes. It's not even in our history books. And how do we learn this? How do we learn about this? How, you know, how do we go about, you know, talking about it, you know, even with the indigenous communities. I mean, the schools ran until 1995. The last one closed in 1995. And if the indigenous people, the survivors of these residential schools, that they talked about what happened there, who was, who was listening? Who was believing them? How was it that these schools were still able to go on until 1995? My opinion, it should be taught in class, in the classroom. It should be in our history books. that generations now can learn about these residential schools and what they were about. The indigenous people of Canada, in my opinion, has always been treated poorly, not just by citizens, but by the government. You know, back when World War II came about, there's a place not far from where I reside. It was the it was the, the Pinery. 
and around that pinery, it was indigenous property and the government wanted to use it for military training. And they told the indigenous people that they would give it back to them after the war. It's like many treaties and promises that the government made and broke. Well, after the second war ended, Canadian government never gave it back to them. And it was never again used for military training. Just sat there vacant. And sat there for, for decades and the buildings were just terrible. They were falling down. It was not even looked after by the Canadian, by the Canadian government. You know, people get, you know, people just get fed up sometimes. So the indigenous people occupied it. Back when Mike Harris was, was premier. And that was in, oh, it's gotta, it's gotta be around 95. Unfortunately, you know, a life was lost. And then eventually the government said, okay, you can have it. I can't understand why they just didn't give it back to them from the get-go when they said they would give it back to them. You know, the indigenous people of Canada, you know, it's... I mean, what do you see when you see an indigenous people? I'm not, and I'm not saying this, you know, I'm not prejudiced, believe me. But when, when people, people would, would say, well, you know, unemployed, Drug and alcohol addiction. No education. Criminals. I'll tell you what I see. I see a human being. Is what I see. That culture, the indigenous people have just been pushed aside. And to me, to treat somebody like that You know, it's just plain ignorance. Up in the northern parts of Canada where they've had a boil water advisory for decades. And whose job is, is, is to, whose job is that to clean that up? It's the government's job. You know, and over the course of the federal election that we just had, you know, the promises that the government makes. And the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is saying that, yeah, you know, we're going to, you know, get on this. And clean that water up. Well, it's probably been contaminated for so many years and decades that that may not even be possible. It went on far too long. The treatment of indigenous people have gone on far too long.
and the mistreatment. You know, you hear stories from, from people from the indigenous communities of people, um, you know, they have to go to the hospital. And the mistreatment they get in the hospital is, is because, you know, well, they're under the influence. And it's like, oh, it's just another drunken indigenous person coming into the hospital. Or they're on drugs. Treat them for their injury, sleep it off, get out of the hospital. And being rude to them and being rough with them. Stories of the RCMP would pick up indigenous people and not take them home, but take them even further from where they were going. And then make them walk back. You can't make this stuff up. The truth and reconciliation. You know, how do we help heal the wounds? And how can we reconcile or how do we reconcile? First, we have to hear the stories. We have to know what happened. Growing up, I never even heard of a residential school. Now, even here in Ontario, and even close to home, the Muncie Reservation, it had a residential school. And that's not far. Maybe 45 minutes. But in Alberta, Manitoba, all other parts of Ontario, where these rental, residential schools once stood. Now, yesterday, marking the first, the first Truth and Reconciliation Day of its kind, there were a lot of things going on. Even here in the city of London where I reside, But where was our prime minister? Well, our prime minister was out in British Columbia. He didn't make a speech or nothing. You know, and, and he, he's, he's the one who made this stat holiday. He should have been, he should have been home in Ottawa at the parliament buildings addressing the Truth and Reconciliation Day and addressing the indigenous people. You know, some will say that, you know, it was quite rude that he wasn't there. 
others might say, oh, he needed a bit of a holiday, you know, from the election. You know, the federal government takes enough holidays. Yesterday was a really important day. And he not only should have been addressing the indigenous people, but he should have been addressing this nation. Not off somewhere yonder out in British Columbia. That's this water under the bridge now, isn't it? And still today, you know, um, they are still looking for more unmarked graves of indigenous children. And using this, this, you know, the, I guess, the groundbreaking, you know, um, technology that they have today of, of, of the ground sonar. And that's what they used to find is over 200 unmarked graves of indigenous children on the grounds where the schools once stood. So far it's been over, over like 300. Somewhere is around 150,000 indigenous people attended these residential schools. Over 6,000 died. So where are these unmarked graves? Now, from that era, I mean, those people don't even exist anymore to even know. There's no record keeping. There is nothing of that sort. You know, when they ask for apologies, yeah, we got it from the prime ministers of Canada and some church groups. And even the Canadian government called on the Pope for a formal apology, which never came. The Pope couldn't even say two simple words. We're sorry. What was said on more of the line was we need reconciliation. The Catholic Church played a major role in these residential schools. And even the Queen of England recognizes the importance of truth and reconciliation. of the indigenous people of Canada. Here long before we were. You know, we're all immigrants. They're not the immigrants, we are.
I just hope that, you know, through the truth and reconciliation, you know, that, you know, the, the residential school survivors, you know, I hope they can find healing and peace and then we as the larger communities and people who never experienced anything like that firsthand that we need to try to find a way to educate and learn and understand the indigenous communities and understand the indigenous people. That's why I say it it should be taught in our classrooms. to even have speakers from the indigenous community telling the stories. Now, next year on September the 30th, you know, there's going to be all kinds of, 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 um, things going on um, uh, with their culture. You know, on the 30th, there was places even here in the city where I resided, there was, you know, storytelling, there was paintings, there was carvings, there was dance. You know, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to partake in that because, you know, I talked to I talked to my boss because, you know, in the trucking industry, we're federal, we're federally uh, regulated. And when I mentioned this to them, to uh, him a couple of days prior to the 30th. He's like, well, I'm going to address that in another day. And, you know, the prime minister you know, was kind of like flat foot on this. And it was just recently that he mentioned this. He mentioned this back in June. He was making September the 30th, the truth and reconciliation statutory holiday. So I will be getting a day off, but that's not going to be until December the 31st. In lieu of the holiday on September the 30th. Any fed, any federal regulated business, people were off. Now, watching the news the other night, there was quite a few people, you know, joining in all these activities around the country. You know, we once had Remembrance Day off. I remember being a kid and um, our mother would take us down to Victoria Park for the ceremonies of Remembrance Day. And then one day it wasn't a a stat holiday. But it is still federally but no longer in, in the province. So you take your own moment of silence and, and say thanks to our men and, men and women of our military and the fallen 
of the Great War, Second World War, Korean War. The Afghan War. I think these two, you know, are really two important days in our history. The Truth and Reconciliation Day federally regulated holiday. It should be a federal, it should be a provincial stat holiday. Not just offering up money and to help, you know, these missing well, these graves of these indigenous children. It's kind of disappointed in our in our premier of Ontario that, you know, how else are we going to recognize it? I still they I still think that they should bring back Remembrance Day as a stat holiday in the province. And that's not far off neither, November the eleventh. Next weekend here across Canada is our Thanksgiving. A lot of things people look forward to as, you know, the holidays are, are approaching. We're still in the fourth wave of this pandemic. Things are getting better around the country and other provinces are really having a really tough go of it. Alberta is in, is in uh, a crisis. Manitoba is not too far behind. Ontario has improved quite a bit from where we were last year. At this time, so but for now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for coming out and joining me this evening. I hope you found um, this this show this evening educational. It's something that you probably never even heard about yourselves of these residential schools. So, well, right now I'm just going to be wrapping up the show. Um, so, um, not at this time. Another time you can call in. Um, ABC Seven Show has called in the other uh, the other date. Uh, uh, young gentleman here, uh, but you're catching me at the end of my show tonight. So, um, like I said, I hope that um, you found this segment um, interesting um, and educational, and I thank you for joining me. And enjoy the rest of your Friday evening. And I will be back out tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. So if you can join me then, that would be great. Love to have you. You're always welcome here on the Truckers Podcast.
Thank you for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. This is the Truckers Podcast. Good night. Take care. And thank you.